welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are doing the lesson from Monday, October 15. This is lesson number three. We are exploring a lesson that actually gets um, quite uh, in-depth into our life, into our uh, ideal of being a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Jesus in oneness. And Jesus' prayer is, is very incisive, it's very penetrating. And this, I'm going to just summarize Monday's lesson for you in, in three categories. Uh, there's other peripheral things that the lesson brings out. But in essence, you have three things in the prayer of Jesus. A consecration section, a, of course, praying for consecration. Another section, praying for unity. And the last section, praying for protection. And we talked already about what consecration means. And um, I just have to tell you that you know, a few weeks ago, a week and a half ago, a church member approached me after hearing a sermon. I don't recall mentioning any of this, but uh, the church member mentioned that uh, they went home and they prayed about it with her and her spouse, her husband, and they ended up uh, getting rid of their television. Uh, and it was a sermon based on the beauty of Jesus, how we don't see beauty in Jesus. I don't recall necessarily mentioning anyone getting rid of their televisions, but they were sensitive to the Spirit's voice, and I'm not advocating that everyone should get rid of their television, but I'm certainly not going to discourage people from getting that conviction in their lives. And so I was caught uh, off guard when her response and her willingness to consecrate her home, both hers and her husband's, that uh, as far as they, they were concerned, this was something that needed to go out. And so they got, they got rid of it. And she, then she said that after doing that, I had preached the sermon several weeks ago. After doing that, she says that the family time has just been amazing. The time her and her husband have been able to spend together and her and her children together with their kids have been able to spend together has just been phenomenal. So you may not necessarily have to take get rid of it, but you certainly have to get rid of the time. I, I think as a culture, we have consecrated ourselves to these media entertainment uh, 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 channels, mediums, to the point where it just saturates and consumes our lives. So consecration, and I'm not going to ex expand too much on that because we already talked about that. And then we also talked about unity and how unity, one word, friend. Right, friendship, how, how special that word and unique and powerful that word is for Jesus. Friend is not what we think of a friend today. I recently sat with a Christian brother and I asked this individual if, if um, the, he has any friends. And he mentioned some individuals and he began with people that I believe are very close to him. But quickly he went off and mentioned people that he says hi to. And I realized uh, our definition of friends, friend is so watered down. And of course, it, it um, manifests itself in our unity or lack of unity that we can experience as, a, as, a, as the body of Christ. But I want to spend time in this uh, today's lesson on protection on the last one. Uh, Jesus prayed for consecration, Jesus prayed for unity, and then this last one, protection. Jesus prayed that uh, God the Father would keep the followers from the evil one. And when I wrote down protection, I, I immediately wrote underneath that in my lesson, martyred. People, Christians were martyred. Um, most of the disciples, except for uh, John, the Apostle John, every single one of them uh, were martyred, were, were killed. 
John is the only one that died of old age. So it was Jesus' prayer not answered. Jesus prayed for uh, protection, and yet this is what's happening to his disciples. What did Jesus mean by protection? Is this the kind of protection? Because it did not just happen to the 12. In fact, uh, with the ensuing decades after the Jesus' departure back to heaven, as the Christian church began to expand, a fierce persecution under Nero and Caligula uh, was manifested towards the Christians. Um, so what did Jesus mean by protection? Well, before I go any further, I want to take a little pause here and answer the question that may be in some of you guys' minds, especially if you're just joining this podcast and what is this lesson? Um, whatever platform you may be you know, listening to, I've set out links that you can just click on and you can have access to this lesson right now via a web browser. You can download it on your phone, your tablet for free. All of this is free material, which I love. Our church really has uh, been guided by God to make this accessible to anyone. And so, and I also don't want to forget to remind you, please check out the videos, the Mission Spotlight videos, uh, the links that I have set there as well. Those videos will inspire you and will remind you that we have other brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that share sometimes similar challenges, but sometimes the challenges that they have make what we call challenges to really be, you know, a mosquito. And we're saying we have a, a lion persecuting me. And when we compare what they have to go through, really gives, it corrects, I believe, our perspective. So I want to encourage you to make use of these resources. What did Jesus mean by protection? Well, I, I believe that he did not, he didn't say, Jesus said, protect them from famine or protect them from bankruptcy or protect them from, you know, being unemployed. Jesus was very specific. He said, protect them from the evil one. This is in John chapter 17. And what did Jesus mean by protect them from the evil one? I believe that the same a, a attack that Jesus experienced during his three and a half years of ministry would continue on with the believers. Satan would try to destroy the church in the same manner that he tried to destroy Jesus. And when in the Gospel of Matthew, the first time, the first attack that Jesus gets hit is recorded in Matthew chapter 4. And the first um, a challenge is if, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the Son of God, the challenge of identity, the challenge of who do you belong to. And I think Christians experience those attacks. Uh, us, we come from a different end. Um, Jesus was the sinless Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He had deposed himself of all of his divine prerogatives. Um, he had just been baptized and all he had were the words he heard at his baptism. This is my beloved Son, God the Father gave him directly a revelation of his identity that he was the Son of God. And Jesus eh, had that. And so now Lucifer says, if you are the Son, who are you going to believe? And so Jesus tells us how he overcame this attack. This is the manual for how to be protected from the evil one. Jesus' response was, it is written. It is written. Um, I remember reading a passage from a book called Steps to Christ. When the adversary, when the enemy comes to remind you of how great of a sinner you are, remind him of your great Savior, Jesus Christ. 
um, we have to go to the Bible. The Bible is the only place where we have offered, where we have uh, the resources with which to be protected. The protection that Jesus prayed for, it was not some abstract, ethereal, or physical material. It was a spiritual protection of the mind, of the heart, of conviction. The second attack that we are we find in Matthew chapter 4 is when um, Lucifer takes Jesus to the temple and says, cast yourself, cast yourself and God will catch you. And then Satan says, for it is written. Now the, the, the stakes go up, way up. We begin to see that this being, he can quote scripture. And again, the response is scripture because what uh, Satan quotes is Psalms 91. But he quotes it wrong. He leaves a nice big chunk out of it that if you're not familiar with the scriptures, if you're not familiar with what uh, the content is, what what chance, what's, what, what um, protection can you have? So it's not simply a superficial, mediocre, lukewarm approach to the scriptures. It is the reality of what Jesus says in the first attack. Man does not live by bread alone, but man does live my life consists it is contingent upon my absorbing my consuming every word that proceeds from the mouth of god that's what jesus did jesus chose to believe the words that came from the mouth of god this is my beloved son jesus says i believe that and i don't accept your if if you are the son of god you are forcing me you're trying to trick me into exercising miraculous power to answer a doubtful statement that i don't have i don't doubt if i am the son of god i believe it now for us that's the challenge when i become a baptized christian when i become born again i am a son of god that's what john chapter 1 says that god gives us the authority the power to be called the sons of god and john repeats that in first john when he says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god and satan will challenge that and the only way to be protected against these attacks of the evil one is with a it is written you and i will have to contend and are contending and have contended with the battlefield of our thoughts with the battlefields of what we truly believe where does our convictions lie and so in two temptations already we see the primacy of the scriptures in being protected from the evil one the unity of the church is contingent upon my conviction that my safety lies in my awareness, my saturation of my mind with the scriptures. And I can guarantee you that this family that got rid of their television, their time with the Bible is better than it was before. In my home, we have televisions, but ask us how often they come on. Um, I'm, and I'm being honest, you can ask my wife, sometimes a whole month will go by that we haven't sp spent time watching it. We have tiers of activities and the television is our last option, um, our last of last options. Um, because we have other things that, you know, we, let's look at family pictures, let's read books, let's fold laundry. <laughs> we have lots of it. Um, let's clean the house together. Let's spend, let's go for a walk together. Let's go skating. Let's go bike riding. Let's do something else other than what for many Christian homes is becoming the first and maybe even at times the only option. Let us sit in front of a screen. Um, 
that cannot uh, be my lifestyle, your lifestyle. We need to recognize that the prayer of Jesus is contingent upon me following the path of Jesus. When Jesus prayed that God the Father would keep us from the evil one, God the Father did not simply say, okay, no matter what they do, I'm still going to protect them. The, the adversary says, I have um, right. <laughs> I have, you, you cannot force them. And they are choosing my channels, my mediums. They are choosing my environments, my thought process, my principles. They are choosing the things of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses two verses 15 through 16 tells us to not love the world nor the things of the world. We talked about these verses in an earlier episode. For the love of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Leads us to the last temptation. The enemy couldn't get Jesus to question that it is written, the words that had come out of the Father's mouth. In the second temptation, of course, the temptation was to do that which would put me in danger and say, God, you still have to protect me. The, you know, I will be careless with my finances, but God will still help me. I will be careless with my words and, you know, my friendliness, but God protect my marriage. Um, that's being presumptuous, which is the counterfeit of faith. Faith clings to the word of God. Presumption, presumption goes against the word of God, but expects the protection that comes with it. I want you to fulfill your promises to me, even though I am not pulling, putting myself in the context of grace, of the guidance of your spirit, in the guidance of your holy word. Jesus says, you will not tempt the Lord your God. The last temptation was, um, I'm going to offer you all these kingdoms. And, and the Bible tells us that, he showed him all the glory of the world. And I've shared some with my church that when we first came to America, we, we began to watch a show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I forget the name of the host. I think he was British, had an accent, which made it even harder for me to understand what he was saying. We were just learning English. But I do remember what, what I saw, and I saw the mansions, you know, 25 bedrooms, 18 bathrooms. You know, those people must have, you know, how, how do they, they, that was one of their homes. That was one of their homes. And then the garage with Rolls Royces and Bentleys and all these cars. And um, that's what Jesus was shown. And Jesus says, you will only worship God. Satan says, I'll give you all of this. Just bow down to me. And before Jesus says, it is written, he says, get out, get behind me, go away, leave, enough, no way. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only you, only him will you serve. So these three temptations, I've just mentioned and you've experienced we're still there this is the protection that god the father was uh, committed to from the prayer of jesus contingent that, that would create the oneness within the church but with this last one this last one of being shown the glory of earthly kingdoms the glory of wealth power prestige reputation how successful has the enemy been with us he obviously failed with Jesus and he failed when he brought persecution 
you know the christians believed man shall not live by bread alone i will lose my job i will i will not burn incense to caesar i will not you know declare that caesar is lord jesus christ is lord and they were thrown into the lions to in the circus and the children and the families they were burnt at the stake man does not live i live because the word of god lives in me i'm not afraid of dying i believe in the resurrection which is a promise within the word of god so satan said man i can't get them this way so presumption um that began to kind of make some headway when they began to read other works or trying to appeal to the the intellectuals of that time the greeks the, the philosophers a little bit of things began to trickle in and you know they were not being uh, addressed and respected we want to be respected and really lucifer said you know i i, I smell it pride and so by the third fourth century fifth century um when the roman empire decided under constantine to become the christian roman empire the christians were no longer persecuted and the leadership of the church they were no longer outcast no longer uh, forced to worship in catacombs or in the woods or in the mountains now they were offered the gold laden precious stone riddled temples the pagan temples and with it the prestige the power the authority how well did the church do with that temptation just read the history books jesus prayed for our protection and our protection is contingent upon it, it is written you and i if you're listening to this podcast um, the likelihood is, is that you live in america and in this country we don't have christians being burnt at the stake we don't have persecution definitely not like the early church experienced but we are being offered the glory of the kingdoms of this world the neighborhoods the homes or multiplicity of homes the possessions the vehicles the prestige the fashion the status and what do you have is your life being guided by the it by a, it is written is your life is your family committed to before making decisions before making financial decisions before making purchase decisions before making any kind of decisions that pertain to everything in life are you consulting the word of god are you coming together and saying what does the word of god say we want a, it is written to go before this and though the bible will not tell you to buy a chevy or a ford you will not be able to say it is written in that regards of specificity you will have principles from the scriptures that will apply to you personally to your financial status to to you know to debt to borrowing to all those things there is an it is written principle that will protect you paul says that those that want to become rich um, and become uh, rich pierce themselves with many grieving uh, piercing arrows and what is rich what is wealthy i already told both my churches oakwood and monroe that if you own three pairs of shoes or more you are in the top top 10 wealthiest people of the world if you own three pairs of shoes you begin to own more your status goes up exponentially um, our closets our kitchens we don't typically think about those places to define ourselves as to what our social status is globally but here in America, you may be considered, you may think you are lower middle class when you're not. 
And whether you are lower middle class or poor or upper middle class or whatever, in this country, Christianity suffers because we yield all too readily to this last temptation. And this makes you vulnerable to bring divisions to the church. Wealthy individuals that are disconnected from the Lord, the blessings, the financial material resources that are entrusted to them, instead of becoming a blessing, become a curse to the church. A controlling leverage that become to them a cancer and become to the church a burden. So the church will be hand, hindered from doing the mission because funds will not be allowed unless things get done my way. It's my way or the highway. Hey, the person with the gold makes the rules and I have the gold and I make the golden rules. There is no it is written in that dialogue. There is no it is written in, those, in that worldview. And Satan has won and we are not protected. So this protection of Jesus in this um, lesson on Monday, it has to deal with is contingent upon the previous ones. You cannot be protected unless you have experienced this unity, this investment in other church members and looking at them as friends, investing so that they are your friends, your family. And, and the, the title that we give to each other as brother or sister is not a mere formality, but an emotional, intellectual, spiritual reality. And of course, this unity, this protection and unity is all contingent upon my consecration. They're inseparable. So when Jesus prays, he doesn't pray for three separate compartmentalized elements, but one that depends on the other. Your protection as a Christian depends upon your dependence on the Word of God. So I'm not sure where you may find yourself right now as you're listening to this, but I believe that these lessons are providentially there for us today. For us to make choices. A family some weeks ago made a decision that has given them tremendous, uh, phenomenal experiences as a family that they did not know and would not have experienced had they responded to the convictions the Spirit of God placed in their hearts. What has God convicted you of listening to this or as you study the lesson? Are you being protected? Is it is written in your lips at every temptation? This is a, a brand new day, and it can be a brand new way of you relating to your life from here on out. You can commit right now and say, Father, teach me how to live like Jesus. Teach me how to answer to everything in life with, it is written.